welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum more. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Punch It. I am your co-host Tristan Riddell and with me as always is... Charlene Schmidt. Oh man, oh man, Char. Today we're going to do part two of a discussion that we started last week but yet teased weeks before that because we're talking a prequel TV show centered around the USS Enterprise C. No bloody A, no bloody B, but Enterprise C. That is correct. My favorite ship that never really did get a show, which is why it's getting the attention that it deserves on Punch It. <laughs> it's true, because if you didn't listen to last week, we definitely recommend that you do. We're not going to do an entire recap of what we talked about last week, but please listen to last week's, then listen to this one, uh, because we came up with a concept of what if Discovery wasn't happening, but yet CBS came to us and said, okay, you have to create a prequel show. What era do you want to set it in? And both you and I were like, Enterprise C, Enterprise C, Enterprise C, with Rachel Garrett as the captain. And so that's what we did. The concept that we came up with, just real briefly, was they were set in that time, and it's right before Rachel Garrett gets the Enterprise C, we find out that she is a used to be a politician, a very seasoned politician, very, uh, very uh, uh, groomed diplomat. And yeah, career politician. Kind yeah. of. I think we might have even said that she comes from a family line where this is kind of what they do. This is the footsteps she was expected to fall into, and she did. But she was craving a little bit of adventure, and so she joined in Starfleet because she felt that not only could she get her adrenaline junkie going. <laughs> but at the same time, make a little more difference as a Starfleet captain than she could be behind a desk and attending meetings and conferences and dealing with other bigwig uh, politicians. And also on top of that, the reason why she was chosen for the Federation flagship of Enterprise C is because they they wanted a... They wanted a diplomat, they, like the Federation and Starfleet, because of weird stuff going on in the Alpha and Beta Quadrant with the Romulans and the Klingons. Um, you know, like uh, they, they haven't heard from the Romulans in crazy long time. Stuff is, uh, you know, like stuff is on edge with the Klingons. I mean, what we know of the sea, you know, with uh, Narendra III uh, and their, their untimely fate you know, the Federation was just a breath, a heartbeat away from war with the Klingons. And right. they averted that. And so her goal, as we said last week, like we developed this this concept, her goal is to go out to the border and try to establish peace with the Romulans. Yeah. And not, I mean, ba basically she is doing that with everybody, with the Klingons, with the Romulans, maybe with the occasional other race. If we need a little bit of a breather from the main story, she is there to maintain the peace, to keep the peace. She is a wicked good negotiator because of her diplomatic skill. Mm -hmm. And so that is the primary concept that we outlined here. So why don't we get started with our characterizations with the captain, Rachel Garrett, since we're talking about her already. Well, what we said last week was we wanted to develop a, a captain who is kind of a mix between Picard and Cisco. Right. Where you have the diplomacy and the, uh, the the historical knowledge of Picard, but also the crazy tactician that is Cisco. Right, right. Now, yes. what else would you want to add to that? Like, what kind of personal things do you want to add? Well, okay, before we get into really, like, personal little details, like her favorite color is whatever, and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, because that's thing... totally what I was thinking. <laughs> What's yeah, your favorite yeah, color? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her favorite flower is roses, you know, that sort of thing. Okay, um, well, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> she likes dark roast coffee. Uh, I could go on. But, no, I think one thing that I thought of, just kind of out of the blue, is the fact that this is her first command. We established that, yes? I want to add in a little bit of an edge and say she did not attend Starfleet at, at the typical, I guess, entry point age. You know how like a lot of people 
they go into Starfleet Academy, much as how a lot of high schoolers here will go into college or the university system, what have you, at around 18. No, Captain Garrett didn't. She's a late bloomer to Starfleet, which right. is also, I, I think, a why they gave the Enterprise C to her as her first command, because she's got the maturity behind her. Yes, it's her first command, but she's got the negotiation and diplomatic skill. But she's got some life experience behind her, too. She's not just a... Uh, She's not like a Kelvin versus Jim Kirk. And she's not she's not nearly that rough and tumble. She's a lot more seasoned, a lot more cool-headed, a lot more think before you leap. I like that a lot because I mean that that's kind of it goes with what we're saying. I mean like she had a career before she went into Starfleet. And so here I think there's one way because Rachel Garrett that the Rachel Garrett that we know, the actress who played her looks really good. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Trisha the thing Thank you very much. I forgot her name. Um, here's the thing. In Star Trek, people obviously age better. And people <laughs> yes. people look better than what we would perceive as their age. Because I found out, I read somewhere, I can't remember where. I'm pretty sure it's legit, like a producer said this or something, where Picard uh, is actually 10 years older than Patrick Stewart. Yes, I do believe so. I mean, I've... I don't remember exactly where I've read that, but I know that's out there. Yeah, it's it's out there. And so we can uh, we can take that to Rachel Garrett, if not even more, and say like, oh, she's 50 or 60. You know, I was thinking 50s because yeah. Trisha O'Neill, when she filmed this episode, I think maybe she was in her 40s. OK, so, so let's you'd just answer 10 years. And there you go. And so. That way you can say like, okay, well, if she's that age and this is her first command, but she has so much life experience, so much diplomacy experience, that's why they're not scared to give her the, the, the Enterprise in her first command. And so that totally makes sense to me. And I really like that avenue because I love the idea, like whenever you see somebody who's a bit older, like sometimes you'll sneak them into the extras. Like on the Enterprise D, you'll see some white haired individuals who are clearly in their 60s or 70s. And they have like a rank of lieutenant junior grade. Uh-huh. And I love that because not everybody has to go to the academy at 18. Right. Yeah. This is not something we've really seen at all uh, in Star Trek. And especially with a senior officer, we've not seen somebody enter the academy kind of late. I mean, we've always seen people who are career Starfleet their whole lives. That's their complete life purpose. And maybe even if they change tracks within Starfleet, like Janeway started as a science officer and then went into command. No, I think this is a nice new dimension to show, and I think it really fits her. I I think so, too. And uh, I it, I know we, we're not bringing in any kind of non-canon stuff into this, but I remember there was a novel, a Deep Space Nine novel, where they introduced a character who was a commander, a, a three-star, a, th- a three-pip person. And he was 100. Oh, really? And looked awesome. Like he was cle- <laughs> like he had wrinkles and white hair, but he was just like built like a healthy, you know, 50, 60 year old. That's going to be Patrick Stewart when he's 100 <laughs> in real life. In real that life. Dude, in the 21st century. Whatever he is doing, man, just keep it up. He looks so good. He bathes in the blood of the innocent. It's clear that to. that's what he does. <laughs> he sleeps underneath a pentagram every single night something dark is going on with that individual whatever it is it's working and i encourage him to keep it up (laughs) okay so we've established that and actually before we get into even more characterization um i want to talk about how last week we said we opened up the floor to a whole bunch of individuals saying hey let us know what you thought of the enterprise c show and you know let us know if you have any ideas to add on to it you know like what what do you think would be cool to see in this tv show and we got so many emails people were super excited about this now we have not we we don't have enough time to address all of them because we got so many in it they're all great but we chose some of our favorites and uh one right off the top that i want to talk about is one one guy who is a who's a really nice guy uh we follow each other on on twitter his name's andrew swearingen and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Andrew. Uh, he talked to us about continuity, and he reminded us ever so gently. He was such a gentleman about it. <laughs> Truly. For real. We're not being sarcastic. <laughs> Seriously. Like, he was talking about how—this uh, is what he says. If I remember right from the TNG, the neutral zone, 
uh, episode, the Romulan Empire hasn't been heard from in almost 50 years at the start of TNG, meaning that contact with the Romulans would have been sparse at the time of Captain Garrett. This would place nicely into the isolationist agenda or angle you guys talked about, and one of the Romulan commanders hints at internal conflict that led to the Romulans closing their borders. So we're going to have to, <laughs> like, I don't want to abandon the premise, and so we're kind of, we're going to have to stretch canon just a little bit. I was going to say, we're going to have to fudge with this just a little bit. There's got to be some way to work around contact with the Romulans leading to isolation, leading to things like, why have we not heard much from them? But we are going to have to interact with the Romulans just a little bit, maybe a little more than a little bit to make this work. And, you know, the thing is, is I don't feel like it's completely off base despite this factoid, which Mm -hmm. thank you for reminding us. I'd completely forgotten. (laughs) Uh, But with the Romulans attacking the Klingon base at Narendra three and the enterprise C intervening, there is involvement there. So I don't know. I still think we can work with this, but we're going to have to be more careful. We're going to have to be careful with what we do, but people who are listening, let's not let canon get in the way of a good story. So let's, you know, like, <laughs> no. let's try to respect it oh, as much as we can, but, but move Tristan, with it. Tristan, do you not know anything about Star Trek fans on the internet? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I've never met one before. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, what he also, what Andrew also reminded us of is in Deep, in Deep Space Nine's Way of the Warrior, he said that there were multiple references to 20 years of peace with the Klingons. So that would work out to um, about because like the last that uh, I think when the Enterprise C was destroyed, it was 22 years ago or something like that. So mm-hmm. there could be total hostilities between Undiscovered Country and Way of the Warrior or and, um, you know, like Enterprise D and everything like that would that Enterprise C would fit right in the middle of that. So we're totally good with the Klingons. We're just going to have to dance around um dance around uh, 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 uh romulans so uh what what somebody sent you something what what else do you have there yeah well, we've got another email from somebody named alex will and uh one thing that i really loved about this person's uh email <laughs> was the idea of um well for one thing we got praised for the characterization of rachel garrett alex thought that was fantastic so thank you but in terms of roles One suggestion that Alex had was having an intelligence officer. And I fell in love with this idea right away because of the whole thing with the Romulans. We mentioned this ever so briefly. And then what Alex did was took it and ran with it and said um, the whole thing about the drama with peace and whatnot. It would be interesting to see somebody discreetly collecting information on the Klingons slash Romulans slash Cardassians and... Maybe that eventually leads to some trouble. Maybe that leads to some super secret, oh my God, I can't believe this happened sort of thing. With the exception of the idea that this person is not Section 31 because we've done that before. And that is a brilliant idea. I completely agree. Thank you so much, Alex, for writing in. Yes, I love that idea. I loved it, loved it, loved it because... It's something that we've never had on a starship before, and officially, that is. And right. I like that it's official intelligence officer, not shady clandestine Section 31. This is Federation Starfleet sanctioned intelligence officer specifically given to Rachel Garrett to help her in her mission. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. If we are dealing with things like negotiation, political hubbub, and a lot of danger of things falling apart really quickly things could go to war in an instant with one failed negotiation or they could forge peace those are serious extremes there's a lot on the line and you kind of do need somebody working behind the scenes getting you the truth because words mean only so much sometimes you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's true you gotta yeah yeah you gotta you gotta make sure people are actually uh telling the truth in diplomacy Exactly. So in a weird way, it's almost like the Deanna Troy. Of, yes, they, they mean what they say. It's good. Or this person's a complete liar and you shouldn't trust them. This person is out there to get the actual facts, put their life on the line to make sure that things are going to go the way they need to go. Let's put it that way. So I, maybe we start with characterizing this person, this intelligence officer. 
let's do that. Let's do because we do have some other suggestions. We'll get to those, but let's start with uh, framing the intelligence officer. So this yeah. is not this is not the first officer. This is not the the second commander or anything like that. This is the intelligence officer. They're they're not security. They're not operations. This is intelligence. So, right. What are we thinking? Male, female, human, alien. What pops into your brain? You know what? The first thing pops into my mind is Odo. <laughs> it, it can't be Odo. I'm not saying that, but I'm meaning maybe personality-wise, maybe with the way that Odo thinks. Odo, Odo liked working behind the scenes, so maybe that's what's kind of getting me into this. But maybe this person is a little bit of a loner, is a little think-outside-the-boxer. Uh, certainly not afraid to take risks and maybe even gets in some trouble with Captain Garrett because this person acts without a little bit of permission. Just has to do what he has to do. I'm thinking it's a male. Uh, and I'm thinking this, is, this guy's a little rough and tumble, despite how delicate the job is. I My brain went in the exact opposite direction. Okay, do tell. <laughs> now, I'm not saying we should go with my idea. I'm just like, this is where my brain went when I heard intelligence officer. I was thinking female, who uh, probably human, uh, but somebody who is the most comfortable, outgoing person you've ever met, who can slip into any conversation, any bar, any bazaar, any conference room and fit right in or be the outgoing person. Be the person who is the life of the party or be the fly on the mall, on the wall. Like you say, it makes you think of Odo, the changeling. I'm thinking of a person who is a uh, not a literal changeling, but a figurative one who can alter their personality to fit the bill so that they can go in and get the intelligence, not just by Ooh. hacking a computer, but by socially hacking a person's conversation. Ooh, that's a really interesting idea. I really do like that idea of somebody altering for the situation that's probably needed for a position like that because that's nope. how you're going to get things done and you have to be able to get along with anybody and especially in the darkest of and dirtiest of places the people you really don't want to be socializing with they're the ones you're going to get the most valuable information from most of the time now what if she wasn't human and she like she was a race kind of like the perfect mate from TNG played by Famke Jansen, you know, where she could tailor her own personality to whomever she was with, but yet this person Ooh. won't be matched with somebody. She can just yeah. do that. So, like, I'm not saying it oh. has to be that species, but somebody like that, where, like, that's inherent. It's not just a talent. Like, that is her. Like, yeah. that's her species and well, I mean, gosh, power. <laughs> that's so close to being a changeling. Like, it's a personality changeling. Yeah. <laughs> that that really seems to see okay well i'm abandoning my idea i really like yours the direction i was going to go was this was going to be a vulcan intelligence officer and then when the romulans found that out they were going to be super pissed i think okay okay so let's let's run with that idea but not for the intelligence officer so we have a yeah. female alien intelligence officer who can change personalities at will and fit in and blend in but i say let's go with the vulcan on the ship because like that can lead into like maybe Rachel Garrett's like, okay, I want a Vulcan on my crew because they are so close to the Romulans that maybe that can be a bridge. <laughs> and it ends up severely backfiring because the Romulans have some feelings about the Vulcans. Right. Right. I like that. Yeah. I do think we do need a Vulcan on this crew. Now, what position on the ship is the Vulcan going to have? We did get one suggestion about that um somebody suggested and it might have been um it might have been andrew saying an engineer hmm. oh that's vulcan a great idea yeah because vulcans are they can be highly they can have a lot of ingenuity and when we were talking about innovation of the enterprise c i completely see a vulcan fitting that bill too and we've never we've never seen a Vulcan in that role before, never even referenced in that role before, because we've seen him as the first officer, a science officer, and a security officer, and and a medical officer on TNG. So right. that's about it. So yeah, what's I mean, left honestly, is, yeah. 
the the closest I think we ever got was when in the motion picture Spock was helping fix the Enterprise's <laughs> engine troubles. That's the closest thing I think we've possibly had. Uh, so let's go with that idea. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so Vulcan engineering. You know, um, so what what's what's this Vulcan like? Male, female? Like maybe we could get a different race of Vulcan because we've gotten white and black. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe we could maybe throw in a, like an an Asian Vulcan. Okay. Why not? Well, yeah. You know? Why not? Indeed. Well, let's do that. And does that mean? I mean, beyond just looks, does that mean uh, different? I mean, I don't know. We've never seen a Vulcan really with an accent or anything to that degree, have we? I don't think, no, I don't think, like, it's not like this This Vulcan, even though they're Asian-looking, is going to be raised in uh, Earth Asia. You know, like, so I don't think they have to be, um, like, from a different part of Vulcan. I think it's just, oh, like, this would be an opportunity to show diversity within the Vulcan race. And so, Okay, I just think, another face. Yeah, I mean, Vulcan I think... Sure, that makes sense, and let's maybe not sweat so many of the details. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not worry about that too terribly much. But I know that we we have a, a female captain, and now we have a female intelligence officer. I want a female Vulcan. I want a female Vulcan in engineering because I love Belana Torres. I, I love me some Belana Torres. You know that, and we don't really get female Vulcans that much. It's true. We had to Paul. That's true. Forgot about to Paul. Um, she was kind of a prominent character on that show I, called Enterprise. Kind of a big so, deal. Uh, kind of. And, I mean, we were even talking not that long ago about shipping Trippin to Paul. I, 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 I know. I don't know. I don't know where my head was at. I was just thinking Tuvok <laughs> and I just and, have to uh, give and you Spock. Crap. So yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That therefore we have kind of an even balance between males, male Vulcans and female Vulcans. Well, we yeah. can make her female. I've got no Let's problem with that. Okay, female, female. Asian Vulcan. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. She's Very got logical. long, dark hair. <gasps> yes, yes. Long hair. Long hair. None of that short bowl cut thingy going on. Mm-mm. No, she's got that long hair. Love I'm it. I'm thinking love like it. original series-esque, just freaking gorgeous. She's a goddess in terms of her looks. But of course she has brains and she's got like the Steve Jobs-esque mentality, I think, of engineering, where she's constantly, constantly thinking of new things to do. I love be I love the idea of putting a logic based individual in engineering because if something goes wrong, they can they're like okay well if it's not this then it has to be this and if it's not this and it's not this and it's not this then it has to be this right you know there's only so many combinations that would make something <laughs> work or not work they've got so the they flow just... chart in their head yes 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 they thank you very much you put words to it they got the flow chart in their head perfect right. so there we go all right so that, uh, yeah that's great she'll be a, an amazing engineer she will innovate new things that are that's going to advance technology in the enterprise c era and bring it to enterprise d standards at least paving the way and that bring like there was there's two references to the enterprise c in tng there's one in yesterday's enterprise which is a pretty big one and then there was another one that that we talked about where Riker mentioned the innovation that happened on enterprise c so this could be a rich area where a vulcan engineer uh helped pave the way to make enterprise c an innovative ship. Yeah. Well, and especially with Vulcans being so science-centric, we should really have seen this by now anyway. So let's get this done. So let's right. talk about the XO. I want to talk about the XO. We need to do this. Yes. Yeah. What sort of a first officer does Rachel Garrett need? I'm think? thinking uh, a Native American man, maybe a tattoo on his forehead that kind of goes <laughs> down to his cheek. You know, like he's does this flute, humble warrior type. Oh, does flute music play whenever he talks about ancient legends and his people? <laughs> you know what? I didn't think of that, but yeah, let's go with that. I hate to break it to you, but it's been done. Oh crap, man! First of all, now ch- chuckles. So, oh, okay, um, okay. So <laughs> let's not do that. We know it can't be Dakota's ancestors. We know what they did. Let's not go there. But what can we do here? We've got a little bit of, we got a couple of aliens. We've got a couple of humans. We haven't even gotten to Richard Castillo yet, but we know that he's there. Yeah, he was the helmsman. Correct. So we so, have Richard as the helmsman. So we know, like, that's, boom, that position's done. Richard's the helmsman. Right. I'm not sure if I want another human or another alien at this <sighs> point. 
I say let's do Alien. Okay, what are you thinking? Well, do 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 do. What if it was a smuggled out Bajoran? I feel like that might be pushing it just a little too much. Okay. Especially since we're going to have the big reveal of the Cardassians mucking around with everybody. Okay. I don't want it to be a Bajoran. Sorry, I'm vetoing. No, hey, that's fine. I wasn't married to it. Right when I said it, I was like, eh, that's a stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, okay, but maybe we go with a more humanoid alien. What if it's somebody that we don't, or maybe if it's a race we don't know a whole lot about, but they're mentioned all the time in Star Trek, like a Katarian or, I, I oh, what else? I, I don't like that idea, Katarian. Why not? We're familiar I mean, with it. We've... We, we never really see them outside of a hybrid. Right. You know? I mean, we knew Naomi Wildman. And we've seen Katarian eggs in Star Trek Generations. Now, would it be weird to um, to do like a, a, like a trill? Hmm. You know, the thing is, though, is I kind of feel like we've done that. We had Jadzia. We had Ezri. All right. I got you. I got you. Okay. We got to be Let's a little do- different. I mean, I love the trill. Don't get me wrong. Let's let's do Katarian then. Let's do Katarian. Okay. They've got a little few horns on the forehead. We can develop their culture. Yes, yes, very much so. We can develop the culture and that way we can appreciate Naomi Wildman a little bit more. Yeah, and yeah. like where she comes from and where her husband comes from and everything like that. So well okay, not, her, so... not yeah, not Naomi's husband, but Samantha's no, husband. No, no, I, I know what you mean. Now personality wise though, what is this first officer? How is this first officer going to interact with Captain Garrett, first and foremost? Like, what sort of counterbalance does she need? Because that's usually the dynamic of the captain and first officer. Fair. Yeah, you can't have two personalities exactly the same as Captain mm-hmm. and XO. No. So if, so if, there, if uh, Rachel Garrett is a diplomatic tactician who used to be a politician, then her XO would have to be probably... Hmm, a little bit more fly by the seat of his pants. Maybe a little bit of a Tom Paris kind of deal. Maybe a little more willing to take risks and act on impulse, take action rather than trying to think your way through it and talk your way through it and then sign Mm -hmm. the treaty at the end. Yeah, but then why would Rachel Garrett choose that person, that personality? Maybe... It's because she knows that she's been a politician for so long. I mean, she kind of knows that procedure down to a T. She needs somebody to help her think outside that box. Because occasionally things don't go as you want them to. Life is messy. The universe is chaotic. Mm -hmm. She needs that different perspective. And I don't know how much detail we want to go into in terms of their relationship, like how long they've known each other and whatnot. But maybe she knows this person is going to tell her what she needs to know without holding back. Even if it's exactly what she doesn't want to hear. If this person says to do the opposite of what she wants to do, she'll still consider it because she values this person's perspective. I like I like that. I like that. I, I like to to think that this she chose this person specifically because he's an out-of-the-box thinker. He is quick to action, but not reckless. You know, like no one... No. No one no one gets that high with the high in the ranks with being reckless. Can't be um, reckless, but maybe maybe this person's a little bit of a hothead. So conversely, Garrett has got to walk him off the edge on occasion. And I don't know why I'm making it a male, but I, I guess we we talked about that. We talked about him being a male. I mean, like okay. having, having that <laughs> dynamic. Um, I'm gonna say right off the bat, no sexual tension. None, None of that. None. Mm-hmm. Zero. It'd be, it's going to be like Kira and Cisco. That's what it's going to be like. Professional um, working relationship. Yes, I agree. Uh, so this person is very, very cordial, like is good with the crew, can can manage the crew because they have to. They're an XO. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I'm thinking like a young Will Riker kind of deal. I was thinking younger too, just because Garrett is quote unquote older. Mm hmm. As a commander. So you've got the more younger, adventurous type as the XO. Yeah, let, let's let's do it that way. Like where, okay. like, okay, so Rachel Garrett took her time to get through Star Starfleet and took her time to actually go to the Academy. And what if this character is the opposite of that, where he always knew he wanted to be in Starfleet, 
graduated early, rose the ranks super fast, doesn't have a lot of years under his belt, but he has the ranks because he achieved so much so quickly. So he's a little bit of a wunderkind. So maybe mix in some Wesley Crusher and Will Riker together. Okay, yeah, I like it. A little bit of a hot shot. And that way, Captain Garrett can kind of temper him a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like, yeah, very much a Will Riker mixed in with a little bit of Wesley Crusher. Right. Like, so he has the... He has the he has the abilities to back up his rank, but he's still he's not as mature as Rachel Garrett is. Yeah, I like it. My only concern is I think maybe we might be making him a little too Will Riker-ish, where yeah. he's a little too willing to take risks. Is probably uh, I'm gonna guess just for the sake of TV, he's probably going to be a little bit of a ladies' man or a man's man or whatever he's attracted to, because Captain Garrett. We have not delved too much into her personal life. Does she have a relationship going on? Do we want to see the lead involved in some sexy shenanigans? Or is this going to go to him? In which case, then he's Will Riker. Yeah, I don't... Uh, okay, yeah, I don't want to make yeah. him a Will Riker clone. Me neither. So we got to so, give an edge here. Wh- okay, so like, l- what if we scrap that? What if we scrap that and we go in okay. a completely different direction? So Rachel Garrett is an individual who is, as we constantly have been saying, is diplomatic. So you can't be a cold diplomat. You have to be an understanding person. You have to be able to talk and address people and 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 love your enemy. What if the XO is cold and calculating? Like, Maybe lacks compassion a little bit where it's like, this is business. Runs we... things by the numbers. Hmm. Not a Vulcan. Not mm-hmm. like devoid of passion, but just very cal- you know, like calculates everything. Everything's a number. Everything's a statistic. Everything is has a an approximation. Everything has a uh, contingency. You know, like always has a plan up his sleeve. But like he can be cold. Where he's like he's like, well, let's do this because you know, like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, kind of thing. But way less poetic. It's like, oh, because we yeah, have we cause... have a thirteen percent chance better of do of doing it this way, and she's like, well, you know, like it may, it's not all about the percentages. Sometimes, sometimes you have to go with what you know is right. You know, you can see one of those conversations happening between mm. these two, and then that kind of makes me think of Garrett as more of like a Janeway, where Janeway had that level of compassion. Um, I don't know. Did she? Did she? <laughs> oh. Especially in the earlier seasons, yes, she did. Now, later on, she was more just like, screw it, fire the torpedoes. But (laughs) (laughs) there's my horrible Janeway impression for the week. But uh, this is tough. This is really tough. tough. This is really tough. Rachel Garrett just came to us, just like in a vision. And and she's perfect, and I love her already. Yeah. She's my homegirl. And I do want to throw out there, I do want her to have some sort of relationship going on. Because that's only fair. I want her to have I want her to have it all, just a little bit. Where she's got maybe a distant relationship going on, but the line of duty keeps her away from it a lot. So it's really tough to balance it. Hey, hey, what about the this? antithesis of Janeway? What if we take that a step further and her husband is on the ship? Oh, oh I love that idea. Maybe uh is he not Starfleet? I don't know, because how would we work around that? Because it's a Starfleet like, ship. We it's a Starfleet ship, and we know that it was okay in Deep Space Nine with Jedzia and Worf, but like they actually changed like because of what happened to them, like Cisco recommended that they change the rules about married couples going on missions together, like away missions together. I don't know. But I think it's easier. Then. I think it's a little easier if he has some sort of capacity of duty on the ship, but maybe he's not Starfleet. Sort of like how Keiko and Miles O'Brien were married, but she wasn't Starfleet. Yeah, but that that's on a that was on a station, so you can have your family on a station. Yeah. Like the Enterprise D was a new concept. Ooh, oh, oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So what we talked about last week, we said that like the the Federation and Starfleet specifically choosing a diplomat for the captaincy of the flagship was a beta program for the D, attempt, mm-hmm. like them dipping their, their toes in the water. Now, the D is the first ship that we know of to have families and kids. Yes. Now, what if part of this program 
was we had that in a limited amount where you couldn't have just civilians and random families and kids on um, the Enterprise C, but you could have spouses if they served a function. Well, I think that's fair. And we could decide what this guy does, but I love the idea where she's got her husband with him. Yeah, I love it. I want to do that. with that, but okay, we've got to go back to our XO, I suppose. We have so many other characters we need to go to as well, and we're already well uh, underway on our time here. So, I don't know. I, in a way, I think like maybe a young person who's a little quick to jump the gun, but also a little calculating. Yes. Maybe yeah. just enough to be a little different. And then we go into the writer's room with people way smarter than us. And they help us refine it. <laughs> That's such a cheat, but I'm willing to say it. I know, it, it's such on. a cop out and I'm willing to move. Yeah, I'm willing to go with it because we got to keep going. Now, do we want to move over to Castillo? The one person besides Rachel Garrett that we know. I don't think we really need to describe him too terribly much because we got a lot of exposure to him and his personality on yesterday's, yesterday's Enterprise. I think okay. we, we know who that is. He's a, he's a helmsman. Yeah. He's handsome. He's confident. And... You know, he, he's he's the Tom Paris, basically. He's a warm Tom Paris. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, okay. I'm willing to go with that. He's a good, loyal Starfleet officer. He's thinking that's going to be his career. He has yeah. high hopes and dreams. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, bro. <laughs> you pilot that ship. You do a good job. There you go. Okay, okay so, so that's done. We have that's, engineering. That's, yeah. We have engineering. We have the intelligence officer. We kind of have an XO. We have a captain. We have the helm. Um, we need a doctor. We need a doctor. Yes. yes. Now, before the, the show, I was kind of thinking, like, do what sort of a doctor do we want? And I didn't come up with any terribly great suggestions other than I thought maybe we have a woman. I was thinking an, an old man. We go back to the old man doctor, the old country doctor, a la, mm. a la McCoy. Uh, and I was thinking, not quite a Pulaski type, but hmm, maybe neither then. <laughs> like, because just... we've done it. We've been there. Well, okay. Well, I know, but think, think of it this way. The last time we've been there was in the 60s. Yeah. And like, like okay, so like in, uh, in TNG, we have a, um, a brash, sultry redhead female uh-huh. and then we get pulaski who is basically mccoy but a female version of mccoy and then we have julian Bashir, who is the who is the heartthrob the young heartthrob indeed male. yes and then we have voyager which is the uh the inanimate uh, d- digital EMH, projection EMH, right? and we all know his arc and then we've and- got flocks and then we got Flocks, who is the alien who has all these old home rem- remedies, which is amazing. Right. And I so, love Flocks. I almost want a Flocks like character, but then you're just copying Flocks. What, so, what's something that hasn't been done yet? If we don't want to do the old cantankerous man, yeah. and we don't want to do the good looking heartthrob, whether they're male or female. We'd, I don't really want to do an alien. I want to do a human doctor. Okay. Um, what can we do here? We have somebody kind of like mid-career. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why I keep thinking old. I just, I, I, I hate this. I want to see somebody like who is actually, like actually older, like an actor who is later in their years, because we see that so rarely in television. It's so true. You might be able to sell me on this. Because I just I I hate all I hate all these shows where everybody has to be in their early twenties and a super genius, and everybody right. has to be like everybody has to have rock hard abs and is just like super fit and in their mid twenties and just is just a, an Adonis. You're like, why are you on the ship? You could be a model, you know. Like I I I'm I'm tired of that, and so like we I know that we can. I know that, like, and I feel like the doctor is a way to break out of that because, you know, like, I'm not trying to diss anybody, but Robert Picardo and um, Billingsley are not exactly models, and they're not exactly young, no. and neither was Pulaski, 
Oh, well, I mean, okay. like, when she, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm All rambling right. now. You know, I think we can run with this. We have an older doctor who maybe is coming to the end of his Starfleet career. Like He's that. been in Starfleet for a really long time. He has seen a lot. What about an apprenticeship is going on because of that? Ooh, kind of auditioning the replacements a little bit. Yeah, like a she, like um, you know, he, he like he, they need somebody with his type of experience. Maybe he specializes in alien physiology. Maybe specifically what we know of Romulans, or hmm. something like that. And okay. and so he's at the end of his career, and he's willing to go on this on this one last mission. But he needs to train his replacement. So we get kind of like a Doctor Kess relationship going on but sure. official or even like bones and nurse chapel so there's your original series rhetoric there you go okay i dig it let's go with it and so then we can develop like that way we can have both like i get my old old contank not cantankerous but like an old man at the end of his career and then maybe we can have that up-and-coming woman who is trying to prove herself and she's fresh out of medical school and was top of her class and everything like that. But yet she has no real field experience. And he's like, well, buckle right. in because it's not all textbooks. Yeah, yeah. He has a lot of wisdom to depart. And she's going to learn from the best. And then maybe somewhere down the line, maybe he gets killed in action. And she's got to take over, ready or not. Yes. Like that is, I mean, everybody kind of knows when we're watching the show. Oh, he's going to get killed on an away mission. He's <laughs> something's going to happen where he's going to be incapacitated and she has to rise up. And yeah, and, you know, he's you know. not going to retire the poor guy. We all know it as an audience. But deep down, you know, he wouldn't want it any other way. Right. Yeah. He wants to die with his boots on. Yeah. Great. Okay. Fantastic. And it'll still be sad and we'll all cry and we'll miss him greatly. Now, do okay. we need to talk security? Mm, you know, we don't have to. We could, but uh, yeah. I. Eh, it's sort of like ops. Like yeah, yeah, we could, but it's going to maybe be one of the lesser developed characters. I'm thinking. I think for us, it can just be like, oh, ops is a thing, or like you know, like uh, <laughs> operations. Like, there's going to be like a Lieutenant J who's there. Like it's a background character. We see that person almost every week. We know who that person is, but we don't know much about him. Yeah. And then decades later, somebody who can take the punch at mantle and develop that person's backstory. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm I'm perfectly cool with that. I, I'm cool with that, too. So there we go. Okay, um, so any little things that you want to tie up then? Like, are, are there any other positions that we absolutely must fill? Any things in the background? Well, we haven't talked about a science officer. Do we need that, too? Maybe we uh, do. I feel like we might need a science officer. For a, a diplomatic ship? Well, I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, you got you to gotta have something. You got you to gotta have, because they're on the edge of the frontier. They're, mi they're monitoring the border, so they're going to still experience the unknown. It's just yeah. secondary to the mission, where, like, we talked about how dipl diplomacy what? is primary and exploration is secondary. What if we combine ops and science? So they're carrying okay. out basic day-to-day -day operations, but specializing in scientific instruments to handle that aspect of things. Okay, because the budget cuts, you know, we couldn't afford totally. the two salaries I and mean, the benefits and everything, Starfleet, so we got to combine. Yeah, they're struggling in this era, man. They need all the help they can get. <laughs> it's, they're it's cutting like corners a, left and right. Finding a web developer who's also a video editor, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So... What do we want for a science officer? Uh, is it do we branch out and have another alien, where we have more aliens on this ship than we're used to? Which I I'm all for. I like that idea because yeah, we honestly, haven't. I'd be very okay with that. And that was actually one of the biggest suggestions we had from all the people. <laughs> like a good majority of the people who emailed us said, "Lots more aliens, more aliens." I completely agree. And then a little side note. Like, storytelling-wise, I don't think it just deals with the Enterprise-C crew either. I think we see stories told from the Romulan point of view when that is necessary, and also the Klingon point of view when that is necessary. Give it more dynamic storytelling because it is 2017. I like the idea of structuring the show where each season we focus on one aspect of the mission, 
And maybe so like if we introduce the Cardassians, we have those Cardassian characters that we visit all the time for one season and then we move on. So like in season two, we're like we're mainly dealing with the Klingons. And so we have uh, Klingon characters we grow to love and enjoy watching for one season. But then we move on in the secondary crew is a Romulan crew or a Romulan diplomats or something sure. like that. that we grow in. So stuff like know- that. Even if we're telling aspects of the same story, what they're going to see is not the same as what our crew sees. And then we as the audience can piece it together. I think that would be really satisfying. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. I okay, think so that this, would just get us our, get our gears grinding. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this operations slash science officer um, is an alien. Do we know what type of alien? Is it an alien that we've met before? Do we have a Beta Z in there? Or like, mm. or do we have a, a benzo? Is it benzo? It's not benzoate. Um, Benzite. Benzite. Benzoate is like in yogurt or something like that. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know either. I really don't. Um, Ask Jamie so, Lou Curtis about the yogurt. She knows. So yeah, that's Bifidus regularis. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Our conversation has devolved. Let's not talk about Ooh, yogurt no. anymore. I know, I know exactly uh, which I know exactly which aliens we have, and that we... is the. Um, I'm totally blanking on the name, and okay. I am. I people are going to be ashamed of me, and I'm stalling right now while I'm talking so that I can think about it in the back of my brain while my mouth is moving, and I am blanking. It's the antenna Shran. Um, Andorians. Andorians. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! Of... You lose so many nerd points. I know. I know. Hey, I always forget the Andorians' okay. name. You know, I've lost so many nerd points on this show. Don't feel bad. <laughs> so they're like, let's have an Andorian. Like we haven't actually mm. seen really an Andorian in the uh, in the Starfleet, and we know that they're part of the Federation. They're one of the founding yeah. members. And the dynamic could be really different than, say, on Enterprise, where they're a little bit at odds with one another now. Yeah. So that's a great idea. So there we and, go. We have it. You know, yeah. Let's make this Andorian a little bit of like of a Renaissance man or woman. Mm-hmm. Just into everything. Loves the arts, the sciences. It's extremely creative and just a, a, just a general joy to get to know because they have such a wealth of knowledge and insight and. Expertise. Not just a warmonger, you know, that we're used to seeing in Enterprise. You know, like not just yeah. a military person. Yeah. No, I almost I like want that. the antithesis of that. Love it. Love that idea. Cool. I love it. I, right, want, I kinda... want to see an Andorian who paints. Oh, I can see it now in my head. Within so <laughs> we're kind of we're rounding third here. And the main aspect of today, we knew we wanted to talk about characters, and I, I feel like we've achieved that. Now we have gotten some input from our own people on the network and John Mills, who is a co-host of Great Shot Kid as well as Aggressive Negotiations, which everybody should check out at the nerdparty.com. He says that the real threat behind destabilizing peace in the Alpha Quadrant and Beta Quadrant should be the Cardassians. And that's how we, that's our first encounter with the Cardassians is they are the ones who are it's we all think it's the romulans trying to disable peace between the federation and klingons but it's actually the cardassians and the cardassians make it look like it's the romulans yes 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 and yes yeah i totally agree that was the thought running through my mind actually when we did our last podcast and john just put it into much more eloquent words and oh yeah Absolutely, because we don't know about the Cardassians, and then, oh, holy gosh, who are these guys? And they are messing with us. Not sure if we like them. <laughs> They're causing us some serious problems with negotiations. Yeah. Oh, it- it'll be freaking great. Yes. Now, we have another comment from another Nerd Party representative, and that was Philip Gilfus. Now, what did he say? He wanted more aliens in the bridge crew. So, check. Check. Scenes on the Romulan ships check because we just talked about different storytelling points of view and the cost of peace and in parentheses he says pilot question mark now i think you could show maybe the cost of peace throughout the whole series mm-hmm. what it takes to achieve that yeah throughout not just I the pilot i don't think that's just a pilot thing i think that is like that is that is a weekly season-wide thing where peace 
is tough. It is not just a handshake that's at the end of a battle. It is something that you have to strive for constantly, and it can blow away with the, you know, the batting of a butterfly's wings. That's how fragile it is. Right. I feel like that is the show. Yes. Yeah, that is the overarching theme of the show is just how much constant and hard work it really is, how fragile it is, all of that. Yes. I yeah, I'm I'm in total agreement. So okay, so there we go. I think we have we have our crew, we have a little bit more fleshed out areas of the uh, of the show and the plot line and the setting and everything like that. I I I I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think if we wanted to keep going and mapping this out, we we totally could, but we're at a good point right now where we've got a pretty decent idea of who these people are, what they're going to be doing out there and what sort of adventures they're going to have. I I think we could definitely come back to this because like I remember when we did to the journey our Star Trek Voyager show we had a couple of storylines that we would come back to every once in a while we had a mirror universe in Voyager that we would continually come back to yes and yes I and we also had an alternate reality where what if they got home what if Voyager got home in season four so what would those three seasons look like seasons five six and seven if they were home during the Dominion War. And so we would come back and create stories. I feel like we can come back to this universe that we created in Enterprise C and what that looks like. I'd love to write the pilot episode. I'd love to say, like, this is what it's going to look like. You read my mind. I thought somewhere down the line, let's write an actual Enterprise C episode. And we're going to have to come up with a series title. Series title and uh, character title. uh, I mean, character names. I think these are all things yeah. that we need to do. Yeah. We got to do that. Do we want to take suggestions from our awesome listeners? Because they did such a great job of helping us map out some of these character points. Maybe they've got some names too. I'm I'm open. Please do. Yes. Everybody, everybody came in droves and emailed us and contacted us. Please do it again. Let us yeah, know. I loved like, it. Give us some character backstories. Give us some character names. Give, it so, give us some character specialties. All you need to do is go to the nerdparty.com slash contact. So like punch it from the drop down menu. Fill out the form that sends us an email. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerd party. Reply to this post. Or you can find us on Twitter. The network uh, account is at join nerd party. You can find me personally on Twitter at the insane Robin. And you can find me at oh the profanity. Now, I, this I, I am so excited about this. I want to talk about it next week, but we shouldn't. We should take a break. We <laughs> should talk out. about something else. Let's branch out and, and move on. But thank, I want to thank everybody who emailed us, even if we didn't get to you today. Um, yeah, thank you we, so much. It was fantastic reading all of that. All of that. And so e- I, even though we have no idea what we're going to do next week, even though it's not going to be Enterprise C, I'm excited because you know we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.